All right, everybody. It's the show that I'm sure you're all waiting for. The time of the year that we do Solstice Slam. But first, before we get into all the hijinks, let's kick it off. Get into this week's episode. We know that this show will willy, and it, in fact, does dank hoolies on the reg. Uh, listen, everybody, I wanted to t- tell everyone thank you right off the bat for the wonderful, wonderful submissions we got this year, uh, all the great stuff that was coming in. Uh, and, of course, if you are uh, if you have submitted something, you are eligible for some great prizes and final grand prize to be determined at a later date after uh, after this week's episode goes out and some other people have got a chance to hear it. We are going to review it and decide and uh, place everybody. And we'll probably have a first, second, and third like we did last year and I think the first year. And uh, if you're a patron, patron through Patreon, uh, you actually, if you pledged a certain amount or above, you actually got entered into the drawing anyway. So you potentially, just by being a patron, uh, can win some awesome prizes as well. And of course, uh, the way we're going to figure that out is by a knife throwing contest. Well, not knife throwing contest, but we're going to throw some knives. And um, I will designate to each Patreon patron uh, a color. And then we're going to chuck your knife at a board and whatever prize it lands closest to. And we're not good at aiming, so you can't like say that we're trying to favor anybody. <laughs> it's just literally going to be luck of the draw. Um, you could end up winning something if we come close enough to your name hitting next to a glorious prize. Uh, all right, so that's going to be that. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, uh, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing. And uh, yeah, that's it. And I just want to say thanks to those guys. I hope you got your packages. And thanks for helping support the show. All right, let's get into this week. Of course, this is the slam. This is the Solstice Slam. This is number three. Three down in the books. And uh, all I have to say is that I'm, I'm super proud of everybody that has supported over the last few years and submitted something. And they keep getting funnier and funnier. And they just, they're pretty amazing, actually. So thank you so much. All right, and as we have a massive audio problem there, <laughs> more reason why we need some of that patron dough, we can upgrade this damn audio equipment. And uh, if you've stuck around with us for the past uh, two and a half years or three years, however long we've been doing this, you know that we've had our fair share of crashes, uh, mostly in 2016, I think it was, toward the end of toward the beginning of 2017. We made it through last year pretty good. Um, but yeah, so... Um, just want to say thanks, and uh, before we get into this uh, year's Solstice Slam, of course, we usually do a little bit of a show beforehand. I do want to say that Wiggs uh, is out right now. He's in Tennessee doing that thing he's doing. Um, I saw a bunch of the guys from SoCal are out there right now at the uh, Smoky Mountain Raceway, or whatever the heck they call it, and um, doing the hog rally over there. And also, I saw him out on Fitties uh, doing his little thing little track day on like a little 50 supermoto 
ride it on the freeway or the highway. <laughs> Look pretty rad. And it looks like the weather's great, actually. I've, I've had um, a few people sending me stuff about the weather. And if you, you know, we're talking about the WIR top 10 list and, and all that great stuff that was happening. Um, and Mr. Sing Simon, this and that. Him and Michelle Mank- <clears throat> Mankiewicz, who was last year's champion, uh, went out on some DRZs and uh, did some woods riding and a little trail riding and uh, looked pretty warm and uh, it's just great. Like the weather's looking great everywhere. It's been cloudy. Like uh, I feel like the SoCal has been Oregon, like Portland or Seattle or something for the last two weeks. We've had this weird May gray. And then like in June, we usually get June gloom. But I guess Yeti was right uh, last week's episode saying that we need it. So I won't complain about it. But yeah, it's sprinkling. It's been raining. <laughs> so weird. But um, yeah, so the rest of the country looking beautiful. And uh, Snap-A-Tap Rostin sent us some um, pics. And I don't think it was his submission for Social Slam, but he did send me uh, just tonight, actually, some beautiful, beautiful pics of the Minnesota-Wisconsin border. And uh, just like, remember Sarah Palin keeping us safe from Russia, from Alaska? I think he's holding down Minnesota from getting uh, letting those Wisconsin weirdos come in. <laughs> So, but yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The Driftless Zone. He sent me some stuff about it before, and I intend to look into it because it just looks epic uh, out in that area. So, thanks for everybody that's sharing the weather. I think he said it was 100 there today. So, I know it probably gets a little muggy up there, and, and you just were in like negative 100 about a month ago. So, it must feel weird to go from extremes like that. But I'm glad you guys are out and riding. And I'm glad everybody's just having a great time and all the racing and riding and all that stuff has been going epic for the whole country right now and for other parts of the world that I've been checking in with as well. Looks great all around the globe. I'm just, I'm stoked. Uh, So before we get into the Social Slam this year, I did want to say tragic news. I've been following the Isle of Man as you know, a couple weeks, I guess it was a couple weeks now ago, I said I was super excited. Isle of Man's coming up, and uh, everybody that was potentially going to be racing and not racing. Um, John McGinnis, who I was unsure of because I knew he had got injured, but they still had press releases showing him with uh, Michael Dunlop. And uh, he's not racing. I saw pictures of him on crutches, uh, but he was there. I think he might try to do a parade lap. Um, he was at the, the opening ceremonies and, of course, at the uh, like one of the places they're signing books and getting coffee. I forget the name of the coffee. Connor's Coffee, I guess, is what it was, um, something like that. And uh, Conrad's, that's what it was, Conrad's Coffee. And, uh, yeah, he was there signing books and saying hi and, and talking to everybody. So he's he's in good spirits, but unfortunately, since he hurt his leg, he's not racing. So a sucky for, uh, I guess, Honda. If he was going to be riding Honda, I'm not 100% sure. I doubt it. But uh, sucky for BMW as well. Um, also sucky for BMW, uh, the, the Manx claimed its first victim of 2018. Uh, sadly... Uh, Dan Kneen uh, perished today. I think they were qualifying for Superbike, and he was on the he was Tyco number eight. Um, and yeah, he he lost. Uh, from what I read, uh, I read an updated release just a little bit before recording this. And according to the Guardian, uh, he lost control of his motorcycle um, when he was in church. I want to say Churchtown. 
we'll call it Churchton because I'm not 100% sure how you pronounce it on man. But uh, yeah, he had an accident there at uh, Churchton. He was on the first lap of qualifying. Apparently it was really bad. It was kind of like Guy Martin's crash a few years ago when the bike exploded because it caught a tree on fire. Um, He perished at the scene. And uh, another writer, I had read um, a press release or like another uh, status update from the organization that runs the Alamam. And they said that there was another rider injured. So there's an update on that, too, because they were, at the time, they didn't really release it. The Guardian says they didn't release his name, but the Isle of Man had already released it by the time I read it. And it was uh, Steve Mercer, and he actually had an incident with a uh, course car that was uh, on its way, I guess, to... Um, Dan's accident and so I I don't know you know when they got a car on the course there's no way these riders don't have communications and and, uh, at at those speeds you close miles fast and I'm sure by the time that um, he came around the bend or whatever the hell wherever he was he was injured at Balacre and I'm not 100% sure what the visibility is like there but you got to figure you know a a car coming out onto the course you're never going to be ready for that (laughs) you got 37 miles of unimpeded speed and all of a sudden there's a car so uh yeah and the fact that you're doing like 100 and nearly 200 miles an hour on some of those stretches uh you know it's probably uh it's lucky that he's he's in critical but stable condition and i think they flew him to liverpool was the last report so hopefully he pulls out of it very tragic for dan Kneen and uh, very tragic for the uh you know qualifying for that to happen so we'll have to wait and see how the rest of the uh the race goes but i am stoked so anyways yes i hope the rest of the tt goes off without a hitch in other news i wanted to mention that uh here in the u.s there was a huge tax cut um, by the current administration and uh it went into effect and a lot of companies took it a lot of companies um went ahead and did a tax cut, bought back shares, um, and what the tax cuts were supposed to do was to help them like retool, not retool, but like reinvest in the company and in the workers and perhaps give raises to people. We're supposed to really feel it in the working class. The employees are supposed to feel it. But what what do you think a big company is going to do when you give them a big tax cut and a bunch of money? They take it. They pay the uh, investors, you know, and pay everybody that they've promised big dividends to, pocket the rest, and then... Um, like in Harley Davidson's um, case, they continue to they're you know they're closing the plant still. They're that it's not going to be fully closed for months. I think even until next year. But of course, they're not going to reverse plan on that now. And especially with the uh, tariffs and stuff that are happening now, it doesn't make sense for them to probably I'm guessing to go ahead and and stay operating in the company on in more than one area until things finally turn around and pick up. And uh, another thing that I wanted to mention is that the steel tariffs and aluminum tariffs are going to go into place for, I think, Canada and Mexico. They were exempted from the EU uh, trade agreements and tariffs until they could figure out what was going on because of NAFTA and stuff like that. Um, that goes all the way back to Bill Clinton in the 90s. And what happened is they finally said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and tax that stuff too or put tariffs on it from Canada and Mexico. So I'm sorry to our Canadian and Mexican listeners. Um, I hope that my I, I mailed my stuff at the right time so that I didn't have to pay extra <laughs> tariffs to get it to you guys <laughs> that are patrons. 
another conversation that I want to bring up post slam after we get everybody's awesome submissions out of the way is I want to get back on this whole thing of the future of motorcycling and it's not necessarily dire, but uh, there are a lot of interesting topics coming out of this whole deal. So I think I want to get back into that and the whole self-driving vehicle. And now that was the one aspect of the give a shift seminars that I really didn't think had much credence or like much purchase in the conversation. But now that I'm thinking about it, it really does. And the more legislation and the more stuff I'm seeing come down the pipe on the automotive side, it really makes me think about the motorcycle side and how far-fetched some things used to seem. Not so far-fetched now. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, about 15 years ago, there was all these things with the uh, a black president on TV, right? And I was always like, you know, this is sci-fi because it's, there's a black president. You know, this is like a, a work of fiction or whatever. And then we finally had a black president in the U.S., you know. And I was like, wow, now all those things can really be true. Same thing with motorcycling. Uh, I'm seeing like, you know, the last motorcycle on earth. That, oh, that seems like such a, a crazy far thing that could never happen. And... I don't think like in in a few years we may be looking back at that going wow just like all these movies where there was a black president and like you know we're thinking oh that was it's never happened in like 200 years of being a country well all of a sudden motorcycling's only been around for a little over a hundred years and uh, we've never seen the technology and the sort of things happening so rapidly in the automotive or just vehicle space and technology space as we are now. And so after the slam, I think I really want to pick up on some of that, um, get back into that. Maybe we'll deep dive on it and do some of it over the summer and uh, talk to some professionals. But I'm really thinking after listening to the most recent uh, Two Enthusiasts podcasts uh, also, because they talked about a lot of the stuff that I had been seeing and I already you know talked about with other people, and they published it on the show and it really made a lot of sense and it is basically they're coming out you know Bri Viffer sent me a, a video of Bosch that's working on these little rockets that shoot um, if you start to lose traction on the front end and, and slip and low slide, slide a rocket was shooting from outside basically you know you're turning and there's like centripetal force or whatever and this like shoots in and counteracts that force and keeps the bike upright even if you slip on gravel and the front end starts to slip down and you're going down this rocket like pushes against you or against the force that you have pushing out it pushes back in and basically keeps you on that line of traction and uh it's just one more thing. Like first we have ABS, then we have IMUs and then uh, that manages all the engine and the braking and, and power delivery and this and that to keep you on that line. And now we have rockets for Pete's sake. And also put that into perspective with like the stuff that we can't factor for, which is what cars are factoring for in the future with, uh, self braking, um, a lane detection, uh, you know, lane of lane of whatever aversion detection, whatever the hell they stupid cars have on them, collision avoidance, braking systems, all this stuff, right? And the vehicle to vehicle stuff that we talked way uh, super super long time ago about bigly. We talked about it actually, and um, 
we might be talking about that very soon again. I have a whole list of stuff that I want to talk about that's actually was a little ahead of its time and we're turning the corner on it now and it's actually going to be coming down the pipe soon. So to keep motorcycles relevant and to keep the doom and gloom of the industry um, at bay, I just want to talk about maybe what's coming down the pipe and according to Freakonomics and according to economists, what would actually be the best way to... uh, keep you to keep people more safe it would actually be to dial safety back <laughs> and we'll we'll get into all that later and uh my crazy ramblings you know what i'm saying so with no further ado enough from me let's talk about you this could be my submission for the slam this rhyme is about as tasty as rotten ham <laughs> all right let's get into the show You've been waiting for Solstice Slam 3. Oh, yes. The Slam. Number three. Going down in the books. All right. Our first submission comes to us from Dangerous Dave Shoop. You may know Dave as a fierce, fierce competitor uh, in the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. And uh, one of the reasons why probably one of the other podcasts won last year instead of us. Um, If you followed along last year, we came very close to taking second spot. I think it was uh, 12 points. Um, One more city would have done it. And uh, I was on vacation for a week, too. So that was all in a couple weeks of riding. And uh, Dangerous Dave, man, he's always up to something new. And this year, he's got something for us. Let me read. Let me wet my lips. All right, let's get into this. Well, I bet you thought I forgot to send something in again. Wrong! So you've seen the posts, but here's the story. Of a hammer gone bobber. I bought the hammer several years ago. I always thought it seemed to be a modern interpretation of the cafe racer. I enjoyed riding it and I loved the bike, but I wanted something extra special. He spelled butt, B U T T, by the way. <laughs> yes, but I wanted something extra special. So for about two years now, I've had these plans Bob the Fender, minimize the rear. You know, a modern-day version of a bobber. No, not a crappy Indian version. No, not a weak Triumph version. More like my interpretation of the old-school-meets-new-sport-bike version. So finally this winter, I started the project. I bought a used fender. I got my son, who's going to school for welding and metalworking, to chop it. And I waited for two weeks for the guy who was to install the taillights. That just never worked out. Finally, I decided to do it myself. I bought a set of LEDs online, and I actually called them first. Went to test them, and guess what? Nope, it didn't work. It seems that Victory had a great idea between 2005 and 2007 of running a 9-volt lighting system at the rear taillight. This meant that the rear taillight got 3 volts on the running light and about 3.1 on the brake light. What the fuck? Fortunately... 
I found a plug and play kit online which converts it to 12 volt. 100 bucks later and voila, I have rear lights that actually work. I buried the plate back in the rear fender underneath sport bike style and she's finally road ready. I've enclosed a couple of pics. I hope you've enjoyed the story. Dangerous Dave. Well, alrighty, Dangerous Dave, thank you so much. Great submission. And Dangerous Dave's bike, by the way, is pretty specky, which means spectacular. And uh, I will go ahead and post this pic in the uh, on our blog during the Social Slam. It will be up on the Social Slam episode. So go there and you can check out the show if you click on the podcast links. I think they're on the left-hand side of the page. And I'll go ahead and put up a post that shares everybody's uh, any pics or artwork that may have come down the down the pipeline, uh, I'll go ahead and stick it up there. All right, let's get into our next submission. And by the way, Dangerous Dave, I will see you out on the road for the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. If you guys want to keep up with that, check them out on Facebook at Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. And they have their own mm, podcast at Motorcycle, <laughs> Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge Podcast. So yeah, check us out there. It starts up in a couple weeks here. And uh, I got... Singsime and Bri Viffer on my team. They're riding for me since they were listener participants last year, and I got a whole bunch of people joining up this year. Cannot wait. All right, let's get into our next submission. Sorry, guys. It's like super late. I'm like seeing ghosts around here. Like, it's crazy. I'm staying up for this last. I stayed up super late in order to get the last submissions. All right, next door. Hey there, Mr. Producer. For this year's Solstice Slam, I thought I would uh, just go through my service notes that I have for my original VFR that I bought many years ago to commute back and forth between my home here in Marietta and when I used to work in Irvine. It was about a 70-mile or so one-way trip. Uh, So looking through the service notes... I bought the bike with a little over 33,000 miles and primarily just did the, the basic oil change, oil filter. Um, I, I tend to do an oil filter every other oil change, uh, but I keep the oil changed at about 2,500 to 3,000 miles. Um, some modifications have kind of come and gone. I still have the Micron pipe that I put on it in 2003 at about 37,000 miles. Um, Chains have lasted me anywhere between uh, 15,000 and 20,000 miles. And surprisingly, regardless of the maintenance I do on a chain, it doesn't really seem to change how much, uh, how long it lasts. Uh, I, I did a couple experiments where I just put the chain on and left it and didn't even adjust it. And it, um, I still got about 20,000 miles before the, the slapping got uh, uh, too much. Um, but generally, I, I try and keep them adjusted and clean. And um, maybe every 1,000 miles or so, I'll get down there and, and wipe it off and just put some new lube on the outside of it uh, and adjust it, make sure it doesn't have any uh, tight or loose spots. Um, I did put a... At one point, I put Scott Euler's Auto Luber on it, where it's supposed to drop a little bit of chain lube on um, as you're driving along. It's vacuum actuated, so 
as soon as you start the bike, it, it starts dripping it a little bit on there. But that was excessive. It, it really made a mess, and I could never dial it in so that it would um, put just the right amount of lube on there. Uh, but again, considering what I learned, that it really doesn't matter for me whether I uh, to um, get the most mileage out of it. I figured what's, what's the point of having that extra stuff on there. Uh, I remember, let's see, back in 2004... Uh, at about 77,000 miles, I put a Factory Pro shift kit in it uh, because the shifting was getting kind of notchy. And that is, I don't know what it cost, maybe 80 bucks back then. And that is easily the the best mod that I've done to it. The shifting is is like butter right now. It's uh, um, so smooth. And, and that's, you know, um, 150,000 miles ago or so. And, and still the super, super smooth shifting. Uh, I put dual star heated grips on there in 04 as well. Um, those are still installed, but I don't have a uh, I don't have a, a fuse in there, so the so those don't work. Um, but I haven't really used them that much. I when um, I noticed when it just got too cold, then I was wearing my heated gear, and um, I I wired up for that probably a year after I put the uh, the heated grips on. And the, the heated gear is just so much better with um, the Gerbring's uh, jacket and uh, heated gloves. You just can't go wrong with that. Um, and occasionally out here, I'd, I'd see temperatures down as low as, uh, you know, the mid to high 30s, low 40s, anything like that. And you're and on an hour or so commute, you definitely want to gear up a little bit warmer and, and heated gear is, is the way to go there. Um, 05, I put in race tech, uh, gold valve emulators in the front. Uh, typically since they're just in Corona, typically I would just pull the forks off and bring them in and, and have them do it. I, I think I've had them rebuild them once somewhere. Um, I'm not sure when, but looks like I first did it at, at 78,000 miles. Uh, I've had that guy from Lindemann engineering rebuild the rear shock on this. I did that at 80,000 miles, um, and uh, I don't think that's ever been rebuilt. Uh, that was when uh, the, that Jim Lindemann was, was still alive. He died a couple of years ago, but his, uh, his protege, uh, I guess, is still running the show under, under the same name, Lindemann Engineering. Uh, he's a really good guy. He's, I, I think he's up in Redlands somewhere. I, I went out there to, to meet him one time. Um, when I was in the area, but he's, he's a super smart guy that knows unbelievable amount about, um, motorcycle suspension. Um, I've got the zero gravity double bubble screen, had that since 88,000 miles. Um, let's see. I put on stainless steel braided lines. Uh, looks like that was at about 98,000 miles. Um, new batteries, let's see, 103,000 miles. Um, I do a valve check, uh, I think maybe every 25,000 miles, but, um, typically there's, there's nothing that any, uh, that ever needs adjustment, but the first three or four of those I, I did myself and it, it's not that bad. Um, it's not too bad getting to the front heads, uh, or the front valve covers, the rears are a little bit tricky um, 
to get to. Uh, it's but it's it it's a day long project, two days if you if you're not rushing it, um, and you know if if you're not looking to get the bike back on the road, you can really take your time and um, and it but it really isn't that bad. It's the the shim under bucket or whatever, so um, even replacing the the shims isn't too difficult. Um, but now the the last couple of years, I just bring it into um, a shop and let them do it, and it's just easier for me that way. Uh, let's see what else have I got on here. Um, coolant flushes I do looks like every couple of years. Um, and let's see in two thousand seven, at about one hundred fifty two thousand miles, I put in a a regulator rectifier from a Jixer, um, and that worked great because the I, I forget if this had a stock reg rec on it, but um, I just I had a meltdown one day. The starter relay uh, melted down, and um, and I I assume it was from the regulator rectifier. I replaced the starter relay uh, and I put the that Jixer reg rec on there, and I haven't since. Um, so ever since then, all my other bikes, all my other street bikes, I I put in Jixer reg recs. Uh, on the five VFRs that I had, I they all had the those regulator rectifiers. Um, they've they've worked great for me. They're beefier units. I got these nice big fins, um, and I've I've never had a problem. Uh, brake pads here and there, uh, checking valves. Oh, it looks like I did I did do the at one hundred eighty eight thousand miles. I rebuilt the race tech front forks uh, had them probably just uh seals and and flush the f- uh, replace the fluid i'm assuming uh i think it was more of a maintenance thing i figured after a hundred thousand miles just to do it but i don't remember having any problems with the front forks uh valve checks chains tires um I've replaced the wiring here at to the regulator rectifier and to the stator. Uh, and I, I know I I did replace the the stator at one time. I, I I breezed over these notes and I can't find exactly where it happened. I remember the bike sat for about six months while I was planning to do that. Um, and only because I was always trying to just get better charging out of it because uh, I have a, a Curiacan LED voltmeter on it and um, depending on how long I was riding and how much stuff I had plugged in, it, um, sometimes the charging would go down. It would, it would show only about somewhere around 13 volts. Um, so I was always trying to fix that, but um, and I never really got it squared away, but I've never been left with a dead battery. And now I've got a, a, a lithium-ion battery and I've had that for maybe a year, and I don't even plug that in. The old lead-acid batteries, I always plugged in. Every night I would plug it into the battery tender. Uh, but with this, with the new lithium-ion batteries, I don't do that. And, and this bike will stay parked at the airport for two weeks, sometimes close to three weeks, and I'll come out there and it just starts right up. Um, so I'm uh, not too worried about, about the charging on it, even if it shows... You know that, it, that it's not giving a great charge, um, but what it does now is after about a an, after about an hour on the road, the the charging just starts to trickle down a little bit, um, 
based on that that meter, which you can't really you don't know exactly what it is, but it just it shows a good fourteen volts, and then it drops down to thirteen, and then it just kind of stays there. And, um, but since I've never been stranded, then you know if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, yeah, and that's about it. So bike doesn't see as many miles as as it used to uh, when I was riding every day back and forth to Irvine, but. Now it, uh, my commute is basically from, from home to LAX, uh, 90 miles or so, and um, that's just as much fun on the bike as, as it ever has been. And it's on the way home from the airport last week, I rolled 264,000 miles, so I'm at 264,008 miles on it as of right now. So uh, that's it. That's my, my original Gangster 94 VFR 750. Talk to you soon. Looking forward to Motorcycle Podcast Challenge, bringing home that trophy. All right. That was legendary field producer and mile man himself, Bry Viffer. That guy loves V4s. I think he's got a VMAX in his stable too, but five VFRs. One time when he when we first hooked up online and I saw a picture of his Facebook profile, I thought it was a joke because there was like five in a row. And I was like, oh, this is a dealership or something. Nope. It was his uh, driveway. So, Bry Viffer, I, I too look forward to the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. And I've never been so interested in hearing someone's service record before. I thought that was going to be like uh, Uncle Ted telling us about his uh, fillings and his teeth. But I actually gleaned some information. Uh, number one, 260 whatever, a quarter million miles you got on that thing, over a quarter million miles. That's a lot of chains if they're only lasting you fifteen to 20,000 miles. And uh, yeah, um, that also reminds me that a lot of people probably, you know, chain maintenance, everyone complains about it, but apparently you don't need to do it. And there's all sorts of wango-tango things you can put on there, like the uh, Moto Breeze chain oiler and the one that you were talking about that's vacuum actuated. And I know they have some mechanic. Yeah, they're all, they're all just, you know, it's just, they're all whatever. Use use what suits you, or don't use anything at all, because apparently you get roughly the same mileage out of them. And a lot of people don't even ride their bike for, you know, fifteen thousand miles. A lot of people that's uh, like five years worth of riding, and you should probably change your chain every five years anyway. And some chains you can measure on a s- flat surface, and if it's, um, I guess, depending on the length of the chain or the pitch, if it's beyond a certain. Uh, spec range, which we will go over at some point in the future um, when we actually talk about uh, useful information, then yeah, you know, it's time to change it. And uh, it doesn't take much to stretch a chain. Um, Also, that charging issue, sounds like you got some surface charge on the battery because most of them don't run upwards of, uh, I have it written down on my battery charger, but I can't see it from here, what the top voltage usually is. But a 12-volt battery usually is at 13-something or other. And uh, so at the 14, it sounds like it got a little bit of surface charge from a tender or something that you're keeping it on. And uh, also, I love that you can pull like pull the paperwork out and see when you put something on. Like, that's pretty classy. <laughs> so yes, yes, my friend. Thank you for reading that. Uh, see, solstice slang can be anything. It can be poetry, can be artwork, can be service maintenance records. And uh, 
is just all whatever you want it to be. This is your show, people. Um, now let's move on to the next one. This is going to be a little bit of uh, the poetry variety. This one comes to us from our friend Matt at my, my Motorbike Obsessions. And this is a little bit of Moto Haiku. Blood, sweat, tears, foul words. Who thought self-change is better? Damn tire bead won't set. The windy road calls. Hot sweat pours from my damp brow. Hipster kickstart sucks. Enjoy, fellas. Matt at My Motorbike Obsessions. All right. Thank you, Matt, so much for a little bit of the uh, 575. Two of them, my friend. Usually haikus and limericks come in the dirty variety on St. Patty's Day, but today they came in the motor variety for Solstice Slam 3. Um, and if you want to check out a really cool blog, go check out My Motorbike Obsessions. And I think Matt sent us an email. Maybe it was a, a message. I forget what it was, but saying thanks for getting him into flat track and i just thought that was super cool because we had talked about it and uh he hooked up with wiggins at a track day so he's doing street and flat track and apparently um motivated by us to get into the uh, sliding sideways on dirt so thanks matt keep up the good work keep up the haikus you have a future here my friend if everything else goes terribly in your engineering job um, I see a future in fortune cookies and haiku books. So keep it up and thank you so much for your submission to Solstice Slam. All right, everybody, we got a couple more coming up, but I did want to remind you if you're not a patron, you're missing out on some quality, quality stuff. The patrons that pledged $10 a month or more, which is crazy enough, I know, but they did it. And, uh, much respect to those guys um we sent out some special music in the form of a cd with some hand-drawn artwork i don't know if you guys thought it was cheesy or awesome i tried my best but uh they also get some pretty cool songs sort of like this one Yes, so if you would like some awesome music like the patrons got, it's a patron-only jam, check us out, www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing, and that's that. (laughs) All right, let's get back to the slam. That's enough of that. That was good. Uh, I had fun making that for the patrons. And uh, you guys, if you're listening today, just know that I played that uh, all the way through uh, 
you know, for each track. So there was like seven minutes or six minutes, however long that song is. I did that like over and over, uh, like three or four times to add in the layers, uh, playing it straight through. So if it's kind of sounds sucky or messed up on some parts, I had tired fingers. Um, let's get into our next submission. This one's a whopper. This one's a doozy. And, uh, well, I shouldn't play favorites, but this one's one of my favorites. This one's coming to us from a new listener, named Chris and uh, never met Chris or, or uh, re- received any correspondence from him until he sent in this whopper. So let's, uh, let's set the mood for this. All right, here we go. This is the story of how I ended up laying down on a Pasadena sidewalk, out of breath, in pain, and with a 10-pound bag of ice on my groin. It was October 8th, 2010. I don't remember because of the crash, but because it was my ex-girlfriend's birthday. Strike one, October 8th. I was 21 and riding a 2002 Honda Rebel 250 that would have problems shifting gears if I rode too long. My friends invited me to the Pasadena Art Walk for some drinks and culture. And I finished work and although tired, decided to head over. I took side streets, avoiding the freeway in part because it was a 250, and another because I was tired. As I was entering Pasadena, traveling on Colorado Boulevard, some 16-year-old in a Mazda 6 with, like, Utah plates decides to take a left in front of me. Other riders have told me this is a common crash. I hit her passenger side front wheel, and my bike goes up in the air and comes back down on top of my leg. I feel the exhaust pipes start to burn my ankle through my jeans as I try to kick the bike off me. And then all of a sudden, faces start popping up all around my visor, asking questions all at the same time. Are you okay? Is anything broken? Does anything hurt? Yeah, something hurts, guy. I just crashed my body into a motorcycle at like 40 miles per hour. To literally add insult to injury, my friends are texting and leaving me voicemails asking why I'm late. Maybe it's because I can't walk due to the pain in my groin, Lorraine. And in all fairness to Lorraine, she did rush over to help. I get put into an ambulance, but I'm able to sign a waiver to be released instead of heading to the hospital. Lorraine is the first to make it to the crash site and manages to get a giant bag of ice from one of the nearby bars. She says they were all excited to find out I wasn't dead. I was still unable to walk, so I just sat down on the sidewalk all disheveled with some maximum helmet hair and close to 10 pounds of ice on top of my groin. My favorite part of the whole story is when I finally looked at my little Honda, there was a new dent where my groin had hit the gas tank. So that was my introduction for a while. The guy who dented metal with his balls. Anyway, insurance claimed the bike as a total loss and I forgot to tell them I had like two-week-old Pirelli tires on it. And uh, Pasadena also had the nerve to send me a cleanup bill because I got oil and glass all over their precious streets. I got lucky. I only walked away with bruises, swelling, and scrapes. And now I'm on an 883 Sportster and still avoid going to Pasadena. Chris. Dude, I, I have to say it's a good story, Chris. It's good but tragic. And talk about balls of steel. I've heard of balls of steel, but never balls that can smash a Rebel 250 tank like an aluminum can. Those have got to be some glorious balls. And uh, speaking of glorious balls, that 883 that you sent a picture of looks pretty damn sweet. 
we'll be putting that up with the post on the site and uh, the correspond with the show notes. And uh, yeah, I have my own, you know, reasons why I try to avoid Pasadena as much as possible. Traffic being one of them, idiot drivers being another one. And uh, one time, I think I was ripping through there, let's say a little after midnight. And yeah, there's bars up and down all over Colorado and uh, Raymond and everything out there. There's a ton of bars down there. I mean, you know, let's face it. It's old town. It's a cool place to go hang out and drink and have fun. But when there's a motorcycle coming down the street at like, I don't know, let's say 80, and uh, you're out there dancing in in the middle of the boulevard. Now, Colorado Boulevard is, uh, I'm going to say, about six lanes wide. So to some people in other states, that would be considered a freeway. But in downtown Pasadena, uh, it's just a regular street. It's like four or six lanes. I forget. But yeah, there's a nerd like dancing out there. And I had I know I had six lanes to in which to go. But at 80 miles an hour down Colorado at like, you know, middle of the night, uh, there's not a whole bunch of swerving I wanted to do, especially because I really could just barely see him uh, dancing out there in the street being an idiot. But uh, yeah traffic people that turn left people that don't know how to drive anyway and uh too much culture and art that'll kill you my friend keep the rubber side down shiny side up and next time they say balls to the wall keep it to the wall not the tank all right next up on the slam i think this is our final submission Uh, i've checked all the inboxes and the message bins and uh everywhere from Tucumcari, New Mexico, down to uh, shady parts of Australia. And I couldn't find anything, so I think, I'm pretty sure this is our last one for the night. And here it goes. Hello, Creative Writing, Junkster and Wiggins. This is WIR's Top 10's very own Nitrous Chris Singsheim chiming in from beautiful Waukesha, Wisconsin. This year for the Solstice Slam, I was struggling a bit for a topic to speak on. Then, uh, while listening to the best motorcycle podcast that I listen to on Fridays from roughly 1 to 3 p.m. when I'm bored, a topic popped into my head. Uh, Just how terrible your show is. It makes me want to go ride and race and work on stuff like nonstop. How the hell is my wallet supposed to keep up with all that added maintenance from all this extra motivated riding? And there it is, motivation, the topic. Last year was a rough year for me and the extra long winter didn't help things. So on a cold 27 degree February day, I decided with the help of your show and my newfound health, I was gonna travel and race and ride every available opportunity I had this season. So you guys think you're just sitting around yapping about flat track, fun rides, bike shows, or hooligan things. You should know that it keeps the fire burning in at least one Midwestern creative rider. This year was a slow start, but I managed to make my first passes of the season in front of a packed house at a street street outlaws race uh, called uh, Nuclear No Prep in Cordova, Illinois, on April 28th. Latest start for racing for us ever. Uh, I then got to go to uh, WIR after that race for our first real street drags of the season, as well as the weekend after, I believe, was our first top 10 race. Unfortunately, two races were rained out, but we won't blame you for that one, like the year prior when you rained us out like four times. But who's keeping track? Uh, In between race bike maintenance and racing and driving and work, I still managed to get about a 1,000 miles in on the Super Duke while listening to your show and getting more ideas of things to do or research. Again, motivation. 
it took me quite a bit to uh, start listening for more of the details about things you guys were talking about. And uh, I started doing more research on things that I had no real prior knowledge or interest in. And uh, it kind of, it gets, gets creative juices flowing. It just makes you want to go do more and better things. Uh, speaking of which, this coming weekend, I'll be leaving Waukesha and driving to Cedar Falls, Iowa for a race called No Prep, No Problem. I'll be camping on Friday night, racing on Saturday. Then Saturday night, I'll trek back to uh, the northern part of Wisconsin to uh, WIR for a $1,000 to win race on Sunday. It seems like I'm just tooting my own horn or my own horn here. I am. I do it to hopefully get more people out to just get after it the same way your show got me to get after it. Just to say, I want to go do more shit. I want to do more stuff like that guy or what those guys are doing. And we're only into May now. There's more racing, rides, and projects to do yet. During our short two-wheel season, who knows what'll come next. Thank you guys for making the downtime more enjoyable. And here's to a great 2018 riding season for everyone. Thank you, guys. All right, all right. Well, thank you, sir. Much appreciated as usual. And uh, thanks for that submission. That submission really got me pumped up, I got to say. I feel like, you know, we just do this for you guys. We do it because we love seeing what's out there and keeping you guys informed and up to date on what's happening with us but it's a two-way street and uh this show wouldn't be anything without you guys we uh you know this show is about the listeners and uh what you guys are doing and all the creative people that make up this world and do creative funny stuff now i have to say that chris seeing you go out there this year during your quote downtime and restore maybe even resuscitate was it two or three drzs uh yeah i was going man like you got i don't know he this guy this guy is moving and shaking and uh, i'm proud to have him as a past guest on the show proud to have him as a a teammate for the motorcycle podcasters challenge and just a great dude like everybody that talks about him on the boards if you go onto the facebook group and check out wir's top 10 bikes um this guy is just full of knowledge and full of uh creative juices that flow whether he's trying to put down uh enemies on the track or whether he's trying to go out and rip some miles on a drz converted into like a snow slit i'm just kidding i don't know what i don't know what's next on his list but maybe he'll take that thing um flat track in hell maybe he'll get into trials riding like who knows who knows what's going to happen but yeah uh last year the, what he's what he was referring to is last year we tried to stay pumped on that uh, in 2015 we kind of hooked up with the guys 2016 was all about wir 2017 we were just pumped we tried to cover every single race and keep everybody up to date on their uh their boards ultimately Every damn time I'd talk about they race on Fridays, the podcast comes out on Fridays, and uh, every damn time I would talk about them, they would end up getting rained out. And I'm talking last year, I would usually finish recording and, and setting up Thursday nights, so literally 24 hours before the race, an old junk meister is putting some bad juju in the air or something, because it seemed like it rained all summer last year, so... 
I'm hoping it goes much, much better for them this year, and I think they've already got some good rips out of the way. Uh, if you want to check them out, I think they run the... Is it the first Friday, you guys? Come on, you tell me. You're probably yelling at the speaker, and I can't hear you now because this podcast is in the past by the time you're hearing it. But I think it's the first Friday or the last Friday of every month that they run. Uh, believing it's like the first. And um, so, yeah, go check out the page, WIR Top 10's Bikes, and uh, check out what Nitrous Chris has got up his sleeve and coming out his tailpipe. It will blow your socks off. All right, guys, that is the show. If I forgot anything, I'm, I've looked, I've double-checked uh, all the boxes. I've looked at everything, and uh, I can't find anything. And uh, if, Wigs, are you sitting on something? Is there any Ask Wigs this week that you're you're hiding out? Oh, Wigs? Wait, oh, my God, he's not, even, he's not in here with me. I totally forgot. Well, in the meantime, I hope everybody has a really good weekend. There's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of road racing going on. I think in Wisconsin, uh, or no, maybe Atlanta. I think Road America is this weekend or Elkhart Lake or something. Um, and then I wanted to say uh, good luck to all the people out there doing the um, Smoky Mountain Hog Rally. Good luck to everybody here in SoCal doing vintage motocross and flat track and all that great stuff and good luck to everybody in the midwest getting their jam on doing i think some speed testing out of el mirage and uh yeah all that great stuff that's going down this weekend and all around the world hope you've enjoyed the slam come back next year and listen guys and gals out there you can always next year uh record it yourself on your phone Send it to Creative Writing Podcast or Slam It Creative Writing uh, just using the voice memo on your smartphone. Much better to hear it coming out of your lush and uh, full, rich voices rather than me telling your story for others to hear. All right, everyone. Peace and grease. Uh, say hi to your niece, Clarice. Same sign off two weeks in a row. I need to be killed. All right. That was a slam.